This week, we are joined by the brother and sister team of Tash and Antosh Samek, who founded Clayton's Cocktails, where each of the bottled cocktails comes with its own dedicated playlist that captures the mood and occasion of the drink. Based out of Marlowe, England, Antosh has owned a bar named Clayton's Marlowe for over a decade, while Tash is a creative strategy director at an agency that specializes in premium and craft brands with an emphasis on food and drink. At the start of the global pandemic and with the bar being closed, Antosh started brainstorming new ideas to generate revenue and started talking about doing cocktail deliveries. Tash suggested they turn it into a brand with the idea of delivering the vibe of Clayton's Marlowe into people's homes. In essence, Clayton's Cocktails brings expertly mixed cocktails and music into people's homes with bar quality drinks and music. Make sure you check out ClaytonsCocktails.com to check out the drinks and the playlists. And as always, we have the links to the sites and Instagram profile in the show notes as well. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Industry Podcast. We've been off for a couple of weeks, so thanks for sticking with us. How was your uh, time off, Dan? I'm Kip. This is Dan. Doing great. Uh, my time off was all right. Spent it doing renovations. So oh, that uh, sounds super fun. Yes, yes. Lots of fun. Lots of paint in the face. So, uh, you know, that mm. sort of stuff. Splinters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cuts. Uh, first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and you? Uh, yeah. Just working away. Trying, like, as usual, keeping one bar open, trying to get another one open. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I think I did discover is we have found a new way to discover if someone's an asshole. Um, like before, <laughs> we had to check out to see if like you drove a yellow car and parked it on two parking spaces so that nobody would park beside you. Like then you'd be like, oh yeah, that guy's probably an asshole. But now we have people who won't get vaccinated. Yeah, it's just selfish assholes. It's uh, causing quite a few slowdowns in our area, that's for sure. Yeah, so that stuff needs to get cleaned up. Bring on the vaccine mandates. I think that's the only way to get this across. If you start telling people they can't do a few things, then maybe they will stop being so selfish and help everybody else. So I was, uh, I heard of something really well put by a medical professional here in Canada where they were like, you know, if you're like a hillbilly who lives out in the woods, and you decide to get super drunk and then take your pickup for a bunch of wheelies in your backyard, right, hey, more, more power to you, but we don't let you drive on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing with the vaccinations. If you don't want to get it, that's fine, but maybe you shouldn't be out in public with the rest of us who are trying to get back to our lives. Very true. Yeah. So aside from that, we're, uh, yeah, kicking along, trying to get things back to normal in the bar in industry, which has been hit the hardest by all of this. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, we've got great guests for you, as usual, today on the Industry Podcast. Uh, we got the folks from Clayton's Cocktails, Antosh and Tash Samek, and we will be bringing them in shortly. But before we do that, we should mention that if you haven't uh, been listening to our archives, then shame on you. You've had two weeks to catch up here now. <laughs> but we're, this is actually episode 75 of the Industry Podcast, and recently we've had such a luminaries as Beth Havers previous to this episode 74 uh, Laura Nielsen prior to that we had Kip (laughs) responding to online comments and reviews from Reddit and Google entertaining (laughs) that went well 
John Rennie uh, prior to that, uh, John McPherson, Julie McDowell, and then an interview with Kip, two-part interview with Kip, coincidentally. Yeah. And preceded by... Of, uh, way too much Kip on this show. Yeah, but by a pretty fantastic interview with Aubrey K. Slater, which was two parts and uh, really off the rails. Something yeah, else. Yeah, at least, at least go back to as far as to listen to that yeah, one. Yeah, and, and then Angela Ayeo, Alyssa Dunn, Alexis Tinoco, Sarah Parniak, and Sean Sewell. And lots of good ones to come, assuming that they all show up for the recording. And uh, if you like to show and you want to support it, the best way to do that is to subscribe, rate, and review. That's the best way you can help us. If you want to be on the show, you can email us at info at industrypodcast.club or you can DM us on the Industry Podcast as today's guest did. So we're going to bring them in right away as soon as we give a, our usual shout out to Zach Hanna from at Zach Hanna Design for all the great artwork he does for us. Okay, I think... Uh, Get through the end of the yeah, way. Let's, uh, everything's, that's it. That's all the long <laughs> Okay, let's bring in our guests, Antosh and Tash from Clayton's Cocktails. How are you guys doing? Yeah, really good, thanks. Yeah, great, thank you. Oh, yeah, we should mention that you guys are coming to us from Marlow in the, in the UK. Uh, for idiots like me, where exactly is that? <laughs> well, Marlow is uh, about... Well, about 40 kilometers. Do you guys use miles or kilometers? Yeah, no, we're, we're metric, yeah, so no, kilometers. Metric. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so we're about 40 kilometers from London. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great cocktail scene in London, and I'm sure that uh, sort of heads in your direction. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Marlowe's the sort of place where people come out for the weekend as well as like local people as well. So, and very much inspired by London and from having lived there for a while. So I kind of left London to open up my bar and then Clayton's Cocktails has come from that, so. Yeah, let's talk about the bar first and foremost. So from what I understand from sort of the bio here is you were working there and then you bought it? Um, I get that? Well, I used to DJ there for previous oh, okay. owners and it was it was really successful. And then it changed, those owners left, then other owners came in and they kind of messed it up. And then some other owners came in and it was closed down. And then I was working for a bar in London for a bar group and um, and then it became available and it had been closed down. And so I, so I had a chat to the people that own the building and yeah, eventually after a bit of negotiation, got the keys and opened it up. And yeah, it was 10 years ago. Oh wow! So yeah, that's I, you don't seem that old. So it's, it's ten years owning your own bar. I was pretty ancient when I owned my first bar. So congratulations, <laughs> or 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 apologies, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it, especially these days. But um, let's uh, talking about so uh, involved in the DJ scene around the London area must have been pretty fucking crazy at that time. Yeah, well, I, I, I did DJ loads, like, around in London. I was sort of, I used to work for, like, Bacardi and stuff like that. So I'd, like, DJ when I was at uni. I DJed, like, at home when I lived here before I sort of moved away and stuff. And, oh, okay. Yeah. So I was kind of, I wasn't, like, a full-time DJ. I was uh, someone that loved music that that DJed when someone wanted, if they, if they wanted to hear my music. <laughs> oh, that, that's exactly how we did our, yeah. handled our DJ career, so. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> hey, out of curiosity, what were you using for software at that? Were you using records or are you doing more software, laptop-based? Um, I started with records and sort of CDs, and then I kind of moved to um, like Serato. Oh, and nice. Right. Using that, and now I have record box um, with like the USBs and stuff like that. So, yeah, sort of moved. I, I like Serato the best because you just sort of don't know. 
I'd have all my music on there and then suddenly be like, oh, I think I'll play this track because I was kind of a bit cross genre. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be Also, like, oh, you get tired of fucking breaking your back carrying all the crates, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tash, you also, Tash, you also um, uh, were in the sort of, or still are, I guess, maybe in the lyric and, liquor and spirits business as well, correct? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, obviously I have nothing to do with Anstrich's bar. No. Um, but I've worked in... I've worked in branding for many years and in the last kind of five years a lot of that has been booze related and where I work at now it's like creating brands for wines and spirits and I was like you know basically I'm just giving away I was in a lockdown and I lived with Antosh and uh, my sister-in-law and he was thinking of doing a bottled cocktail delivery thing and I was like oh hold on I know about branding and design why don't we put this into a brand just see how it goes mm-hmm. so yeah I've that's you know my background before that anything to do with the bar and just DJing thing all of that that's why I was quiet for all of that I was like that's nothing to do no no but like you did have the background in marketing which is also a massive part yeah. of what you guys are trying to do now and and having a little background in selling spirits and wine helps right like yeah. at least and you also know. a passion for it yeah like yeah. I do care like because some of the brands I've worked on the things I love about it are not just the marketing of it it's more kind of the stories behind it and the reasons why people do it and the, the craft that goes into it oh I think that's, that's, that's so great. even though I might not be a yeah that's great that you mentioned that because um i like i am a big purveyor of like even when you're at the bar or a restaurant or whatever the big if you're trying to it's all about the hand selling and the hand selling is all about the storytelling yeah exactly um and trying to get helping for me i get really passionate about helping founders or um the people who are crafting the spirits tell their story and get their passion across and speaking to them and try and get that across in the um, and brand. So, yeah, definitely. So how did this work when, like, obviously, uh, it seems like maybe this idea sort of grew out of the pandemic where it's like the bar gets shut down. It's like, what are we going to do? And you guys came together. Whose idea was it? Well, I'd say that actually, Antosh was definitely going to, you know, like most people, bar owners in the pandemic, were like, oh, what should I do? I do deliveries, takeaways, you know, what are the options? So um, I'm just going to tell you about how much he loves cocktails and drinks in a second. But like he was, you know, wanting to do bottled cocktail delivery, just floated an idea. And then the idea of turning it into more than just a white label thing from Clayton's Marlowe into turning it into an actual brand that lived beyond that, then we could actually kind of communicate and sell more widely than that. Or like, well, if they're good and we can create a brand around it. And then, then we started to think about well, what is the brand it's not just cocktails we were like well it's actually the bringing the atmosphere and the vibe of the bar to people's homes so that's why the whole link with music it's more than just the really great drinks it's the really great drinks and the personality and the atmosphere so that was what we wanted to get across through Clayton's cocktails rather than just another bottle cocktails brand it was like bringing the vibe of the bar to your home Right. Let's talk a little bit about that, Antosh. So uh, obviously with your background in DJing and then your, well, let's first talk about like your love for cocktails and how that came across in your own bar and then also in the bottle product and then talk and then get into talking about how like pairing it with the music and how you pair it with the music. Okay. Yeah. So um, I always like going out <laughs> and then as I, the I remember when we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> 
the, the more I went out when I went to uni and found new bars, I used to always make my mate, mates go to like a, a good bar first. Let's start the evening off with a good bar. And then we can go to all the really cheap ones and where we just get hammered and stuff. I always like to kind of almost tick off as many bars as I could and I kind of collected matchboxes, which kind of probably inspired it. The when we used to be able to like people used to smoke in the doors and have actual matchboxes for their right. bar. So uh, that kind of inspired my, my joy of going into bars was to get another matchbox. And then um, when I left uni, I, I started working for Bacardi Brown Foreman. So I think it's. Um, so it's Bacardi, Martini, and Brown Foreman. So it's Bacardi, Jack Daniels, Ray Goose, Bombay Sapphire, Woodford Reserve, and just working with bars and bartenders to, first of all, get the brands into the bars, but also then to sort of make sure that they were sold in the bars rather than just sitting on the back bar. So you had to train bartenders on the spirits and then sort of show them cocktails. And, on, and at the top level, I was booking in top mixologists to teach them how to like, you know, to teach the top bartenders as well. So I kind of watched lots and lots of like top mixologists making the drinks also just like listened a, a lot and met with a lot of bar, top bartenders speaking spirits. So I just grew this love of spirits, particularly I wasn't very good at selling the like products that I didn't love. So when I started working with Bacardi eight-year-old and Woodford Reserve and Jack Daniels single barrel and Grey Goose and the really high-end spirits, I can't. I found it much easier to sell and get into them and work with them because there was so much more going on. And the good thing about those brands is they like things. Even like, like Bacardi has amazing stories. Like mm. Jack Daniels has amazing stories. Woodford Reserve is just like incredible, incredible product as well. And the ones I worked with, and then. When it came to opening my own bar, I just wanted to stock good spirits. I, I, I mean, in, in England, we have pub companies that own the buildings and then you have to get their right. products off them. But I kicked up a fuss and I, was, I said, no, I, I, I have to be able to get my spirits because I don't want to stock like bad products. So I have to have a good range and sort of teach people. And it, it's, it's been great. The, the, all the new spirits opening up like, like we've got local gins I've got um, yeah like there's like local rums now even obviously they're not like sugar cane doesn't come locally or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that people are tr even like talking about doing that and even growing their own sugar cane locally and stuff like that so it's kind of it's moved on when I when I used to do training on Bombay Sapphire I used to talk about 10 brands because that's pretty much all there was except for like the sort of range of supermarket owns but now there's I don't know how many gins there are really. oh my god that's incredible there's, yeah. you can't even keep up with it even like here in Ontario there's like probably 10 new gins just this year talk to us a little bit about how when you were developing this idea with anti with your brother like what were you bringing to the table with regards to the marketing idea like obviously he wanted to pivot and start doing something with the cocktails how did you bring your uh, background in marketing to the project? Um, well, I guess it was kind of trying to, hmm, a couple of things, but partly it was trying to extract from Antosh, you know, what, you know, he 
what was behind it, what the vibe of the bar was that we really wanted to get across. Trying to get into one idea because like that's the main thing in branding. People have lots of different things, but how do you like consolidate that into one core idea? And so our idea was really kind of like mixed at Clayton's. It's mixed cocktail, mixed drinks and mixed music together and to create like the vibes of the bar. So it was kind of trying to hear everything managed and consolidating that into one idea and then, you know, and then working out how we develop that into a visual identity and what the brand looked like. And that was really important to us and how it looked as well because there's lots of beautifully crafted packaging out there. Mm-hmm. We were like, well, what's, what's going to make cars stand out and look different and reflect this whole music thing? So it was that as well. So for those people, well, first of all, anybody should be just Googling Clayton's Cocktails so they can check it out themselves. But in case you're lazy and you're listening to this, uh, describe to us a little bit about exactly what, how your packaging stands out. I didn't want them to just be another sort of craft gin. There's loads of beautiful gins, loads of beautiful cocktail bottle cocktails, but we wanted to, something that just stood out and reflected the personality of, of the, the bar and, and also the drink. So mm. so I think with like the Marlo Negroni, we went for a, a kind of like a disco vibe just because we just thought there's a there's a whole Itali- Italo disco scene. There's We just thought early evening drinks, like sitting out in the sun, listening to sort of disco re-edits would be like the perfect vibe for that drink and then I'm already sold on that yeah. idea <laughs> that's amazing and then because the, the, the Marlo Negroni and the It's a London thing were the first two and the It's a London thing was um, supposed to be like the name of the song is actually a, a, a track a, like an old school garage track which yep. is kind of the first music that I was like properly went out to and danced and mixed and all kind of stuff like that so so it was led back to that but it was so it was inspired by underground underground dance music so we wanted it to be sort of bold like the yellow and the, the black it's kind of kind of stands out and then the the playlist goes with that as well it's kind of it's like housey but it's kind of quite underground house with bass lines and and that kind of thing so it's inspired by like my my the music of my youth i guess but it's music i still hang on to so yeah and then the other yeah, ones do, I think cocktails allow you to express the different your different genres of music that you like you get to yeah, do a playlist of different ones for different genres rather than it all being about a certain type of music but it was because in the design as well it was really kind of fun working on it, it was actually with a um a friend of mine who's a designer and we actually put something together we were like oh let's do a mood board and we actually created some stuff ourselves and I just sent it to my friend I was like what do you think and he went yeah it's really good he said fuck he said I don't want to get in the way would you mind if I just played around with it a bit would you be offended we were like no (laughs) expert designer I thought my designs were pretty good at first (laughs) (laughs) we were like oh okay we were like we were happy that's funny because it's funny to say that because when we first did the podcast, we had a um, design that we just threw up there together for our uh, Instagram page. And there was uh, Zach Anna, who we always uh, give lots of props to before we start the show. Like He's a guy who hangs out at my bar and he just like immediately was like, hey, would you be interested in me designing something for that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought it was OK. And then he came with this and we were like, oh, yeah. That's a lot better, yes. It's funny when they're like, oh, okay, that's why they're trained to do it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll I'll stick to the drink making. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so how do you actually physically get across the playlist 
to with, with the cocktail? Like, what's the packaging look like for that? Okay, so we have um, a QR code on the bottle, yeah. and so people can scan it, and it takes them to a Spotify playlist. So we have a profile page, and then there's five that the five playlists are on there. So there's the one for the rum old fashioned, one for the espresso martini, um, one for its London thing, one for the Pampolita margarita, and then one for the Marlo Negroni. All different genres. And that's great for you, for someone who's like, uh, much like Dan and myself, have like a, a disparate taste in music. So to be able to, that must be fun for you to be able to curate these playlists for every single, for all all these cocktails, which are very different. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love, I mean, when I was younger, I used to put on like club nights with a mate and it's because I wanted people to listen to good music. I didn't want them to just sort of accept whatever, you know, people played. So, mm. uh, and it's why I always wanted to open up my own bar and made sure that the music was, you know, a key part of the bar. I spent ages on a playlist for the bar. So again, with these playlists, it's, they're not like obvious songs. They're not like massive chart hits or anything like that. They're songs that I've kind of, I li- listen to a lot of music and from those I go down rabbit holes on finding other sure. songs related to that. Then I hear a new artist, a Shazam track, and then I kind of listen to all that. Just so it takes ages to to kind of find them. It's, it's a really, like, it's a great process. It just, it's a labor of love though, right? Like, and you're speaking to two people who have DJed their whole lives as well. So we exactly know what you're talking about. Like, that, and I think that that's what people want from somebody who's a DJ curating a playlist for them. They don't want to hear the same shit they can hear on the radio. Like, you want a cu- the cool curated playlist of tracks that they're not familiar with. And that's a gr- another great way to sell the cocktail you're selling them. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's it. It's just, yeah, listen. I find DJs that I respect and listen to their playlists or their sure. mixes and stuff to find new music. So, yeah, hopefully people are kind of enjoying them and enjoying the fact that there are new mu- there is new music on there, which is, which is great. So how did you guys, and whoever wants to answer this can jump right in, how did you guys decide on what packaging you were going to use for the actual uh so actual cocktails like we uh, we pivoted at my bar to doing to go cocktails as well and it took forever to find a vessel that I was okay with representing my bar because I saw people just doing mason jars and shit like that like it was just it, it just like it doesn't represent your bar properly so uh, talk to me a little bit about even that process I mean about the actual bottle itself yeah yeah I don't know I think we just um I think we just look. We needed a stock, a bottle that was you could just buy off the shelf, and I don't know. I think then we just sort of saw that one and just liked it, and that was even before we had the label designs. Really, um, I think I, I think maybe because we wanted something with a big amount of space, so we could have a big label just to make mm-hmm. it like really stand out. So that was one of the we wanted to look premium. We wanted there to be a lot of space on there for the label. And that's about it. And the rest of it, I think it was just by instinct. Yeah. Um, I don't think we actually went to it that much more, did we, Antosh? Well, when when I, I saw that, I was kind of looking for ones. I, I like the apothecary style bottles. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it's kind of mythology kind of yeah. is <laughs> kind of making something making something special. But also that my, my bar is quite vintage. Like a lot of the decorates a mix of like modern and vintage and the same with same same with some of the music we play we play like 
disco, we play funk, so it's kind of that relationship with modern stuff, but with a like old stuff, but with a modern twist. And that, that, that I, I kind of think feel those bottles are a little bit like that. They mm. kind of see them in a in sort of craft spirits and stuff, but they are new new drinks or new brands. But there's that kind of sort of not, I don't know what the word is historical kind of. Yeah, that's funny. That's a, it's so similar to what I'm doing because uh, I, like I own Speakeasy and I play 80s boogie and disco there. So like it kind of like that idea of like smashing two ideas together that don't seem like they should fit originally. And yeah, yeah. And, yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, but then but then somehow that music is perfect for that kind of a vintage style spot in, a, in, a, in the same way. Yeah, nice. One of the actually inspirations for the... Um label designs was really kind of cassette tapes and um that's why they are that label and they've got that kind of uh, most people won't notice it but there's also little references on it to kind of marks you'd have from record labels and the cc logo is kind of it's obviously looks a bit like a like a record but it's also kind of a shape you would have on a cassette and there's a little number on each one which relates to the cassette. So the label with its kind of like spine in the middle, I don't know I'm doing hand gestures for a podcast, but anyway. Nobody can fucking see you, Tash. But basically a cassette label on a pack and we just love that idea and we just keep thinking now we want to do a gift pack which is going to be called like a mixtape and we're trying to work out how people can select the cocktails to go into the create their own mixtape so there's kind of like lots of stuff around this whole idea of when you were when you used to just make your own most people won't remember it but it's they are kind of weirdly cassette t- sales are up for some mm-hmm. reason i think people are all like anything nostalgic but anyway yeah. so that's the next thing like it was records forever and now people are going to cassette tapes yeah. pretty soon cds will be back so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. going back to yeah. the things that were rubbish obviously vinyl's not but like, like no. why, why yeah. that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Like, so you're constantly. Well, let me let's start here. Obviously, talk to us a little bit about how sales have been going for you since you've pivoted in this way. Uh, I'm assuming the bar's back open now. Yeah, the bar's back open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we opened on April the 17th, and uh, um, it's, it's been pretty busy because I've got a garden, so there's quite a lot of space outside. I have speakers yeah. outside. And, yeah quite a lot of covered area with heaters so it's uh, it's been pretty good ironically up until the point where the restrictions were completely lifted and <laughs> we've that's been, right yeah i think that's it's correlated with a lot, a lot of festivals being on a lot of hot people on holiday and because i'm my bar's around two corners i have to you know i rely on people kind of knowing that it's there which i build up over time but mm-hmm. even though marlo gets like visitors they're they're less likely to walk around two corners on a whim so it's, yeah uh, yeah yeah so, uh, it's, it, it's starting to pick up i just had started djs again last friday and i've got um, a big event this sunday my my all-day carnival party so oh, i think cool. it's starting to to build up, yeah. So I've got to carve a lot of pineapples for that, for the rum punch. Oh. <laughs> this is all about <laughs> curating pineapples at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be the first time I'll have DJed in a, in a year and a half as well. Fuck it. Can you remember the last time you DJed? Two, 
years ago, three years ago. I mean, I, I do dance parties in my living room yeah. still, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, really, it's, it's really a party of two, me yeah. and my wife. So yeah. it's a smaller venue than yeah. I'm used to playing, but. <laughs> yeah, dancing when I cut the line. the utility rooms. Didn't you do the, remember in lockdown, you did the utility room sessions a couple of yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, but yeah, brought the decks home. <laughs> <laughs> so have you found that like, now that the bar's back open, how has that affected the sales of the online um, Clayton's Cocktail sales? Because when we, and the reason I'm asking is because when we finally got to reopen, people were really supporting the to-go cocktails hard for us during the lockdown as like a way of supporting a bar they loved. And then once we reopened, they were like, ah, they're fine. We'll, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. but, so talk to me a little bit about that. Have you noticed an effect on that or were yeah, you able to... When the, no, yeah, when the bar reopened, they just sort of completely stopped. Right. So, um, and because everybody wanted to go out and have drinks, yeah. out, no one wanted to kind of stay inside and have cocktails. And they've slowly kind of been creeping up again. So, I mean, we're in a few shops now, so that helps. Um, and then we try and we've got a got three tastings booked in like consumer taste so which i couldn't do in the shops before i was right. i kind of kept nagging the the shop owners <laughs> to see if i could come in and just because just i'm just confident that once people taste them they realize that they're bar quality mm-hmm. whereas if they you just kind of they see it on a website or see it on a shelf it's you know with it if it's a gin or a rum you can take a punt and kind of know that it you know you're just going to mix like if it's if it's a bad gin, you could just mix a load of tonic in it and squeeze a load of lime or put a load of different garnishes in it and kind of mask it. But if it's a cocktail, it's a finished drink, so yeah. people are taking a, a little bit of a gamble if they've never heard of you before. So um, so we kind of get spreading our wings out a bit, but so the it's taken time to build it back up. But I think we're building some kind of good foundations and just about get, getting it right and building building that, that brand and those relationships with the shops, which we have those relationships or have those relationships with the customers and that's why they supported us and bought them. But now we can deliver nationwide. So people are starting to kind of stretch a bit further. It's trying to figure out things because all my marketing for the bar is local. It's like, right, you know, you may put stuff on Instagram and you may get someone the other other side of the world like like it but for the yeah. bar yeah. <laughs> not, not so helpful for the bottom line but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but great for the ego those likes we need them <laughs> no it's, it's funny it's exactly what's happened to us as well like we have started an online bottle shop as well um and which was kind of was really interesting to, interested to talk to you guys because like that's what happened to us. Like once the bar reopened, people just were not really interested in that side of it anymore. And uh, yeah, we, we've got delivery all over the province here in Ontario now, but we're just not getting the sales on it because people are going out again. But I sort of what I, I was ta- talking about with my head bartender who was like, we shared the bottle shop is that I think it's going to come back because still like, you know, at the end of the day, there's still people at home who have to look after the kids and can't go out and then there's people who want to do parties but they're not trained in you know mixing good cocktails like these are the these are the people that are probably the audience for this right yeah i think so i think i mean i I just recently had a request for someone that phoned up and i I thought she was booking for the bar so i didn't really know what she was on about and uh how how does this cocktail thing work and i was like I've got 45 people. I've invited 45 people. I think there's going to be 20. How does it work? And I was like, well, are you coming to the bar? And she was like, 
no, no, no. The Clayton's, the, the the margarita, the 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 Negroni. And I was like, oh, you want me to bring them to you? Okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she was having people around her house, and then she um, yeah, was quite demanding. I have to bring her ice and loan her some glasses. But I was oh, like, yeah. God, <laughs> I'll fuck. do it. That's the next fucking thing for sure. Yeah, because like, yeah. providing them the entire cocktail in a bottle is not quite enough anymore, right? No. <laughs> they need the glass. They need the uh, oh, they, they need someone to pour it into the glass. Right. Yeah, they don't know where to get ice. They don't know where to get ice, right? <laughs> yeah, how do you make this ice? Yeah, <laughs> idiots. Yeah, have to work a little bit harder for it. But uh, uh, yeah. on that note, it's a bit more of a. I think some of it's just about like changing our story because like our whole thing on when people went on the website was like we're from lock. Yeah, this is from lockdown. You know, you can't go to a bar have a, have the vibe of the bar at your home. And it's right. like, well, now you can go to the bar. Why do you need the vibe of the bar at home? So it's exactly. just gonna like change it and change the story and so that people it's still relevant to people and that's why things like the gift sets will be good and the smaller bottles and being in shops and like doing that next year we're gonna have to do like a playlist won't be enough we'll have to go do more with the music like events or right yeah or, interesting or yeah. like videos of DJ, more content that's related to the music to so actually get more so it's not just the, it's just it's music and um cocktails and rather than just oh, you know, a bar in a bottle. Because as you said, like people can go back to the bar, so what's the point? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But it, but it sounds like you're clearly have already started thinking about that, which is great uh, and makes me feel pretty stupid because I haven't gotten to that point yet where I started thinking about what we're going to do next. But <laughs> but the, the, and those are good ideas. Like, this is, like events are probably going to be your sweet spot after a while, right? Yeah, because even like for... There's different ways in because originally we were selling like obviously via the bar, but also via the website. But it's quite hard to get people to a website. You're in like competition on having to learn so much stuff because like my background's like branding and design, not actual like online marketing. Mm-hmm. So just like every step is like, oh, that's a big whole new world, yeah. <laughs> and it's like there's so much competition online. So we were like, well, actually, let's why don't we try and get into a few shops at the same time where it always sells well because it looks good on shelf. And then people start to get to know about it slowly but surely. Just at the moment, because we both got full-time jobs, it's we're just getting it out there where it's selling and then trying things out online. And then next year, we're like, okay, let's go big or <laughs> just or stop because it takes up so much. Um, I'm glad you said that because like that's really the situation where it's, it's almost like a like a startup company now where you're like you get to the point where you're putting all the effort you can personally put in in your own time which is time is money as we all know like you you put in as much as you can do before you have to either literally kind of shit or get off the pot right like where you either go big and hire some people to help you out or you just say it's not worth it yeah exactly and we want it to be worth because you still still really believe in it knowing loads about the competitors and i read a lot of trend stuff about (laughs) drinks for my um other job and like you know ready to drink things is a category that's growing you know we have got a different proposition so we do feel it's a big worth continuing with and we uh, the products are amazing yeah they're, they're beautiful I've, I've done some like uh research googled your stuff online the packaging's awesome the the drinks sound great and like and the pairing with the music is an awesome idea as well so you guys do have something here so i can understand why you're like well, we don't want to give up, but then, but but you're exactly right that like a year down the line, it's like big commitment time or, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So that- it's like um, 
also things. But then we were like, well, actually, a bottled cocktail isn't just a benefit for um, someone at home. It could be a benefit for a gastro pub or a bar that can't make quality. If they can buy into the quality of the cocktails and the brand and it looks good on shelf, then they might be able to sell. Like Mr. Lyon, you know, the cocktail maker, he does all his stuff in um, cocktails and bottles. And then he's one of the best bartenders in the whole world, mixologist. So it's like just we could sell that to other bars to sell our right. cocktails. So it's trying to find new avenues that might not rely on us just driving people, just being an online website business, trying to find other ways in as well mm. that we're not just competing for Google AdWords or whatever it is on. So that's kind of <laughs> an interesting thing. boring as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of an interesting thing to talk about. Like, if you're thinking about moving into selling to other bars, because we've thought about doing that as well, uh, like... <sighs> How do you convince these other pubs or bars that they need that product where they're just not like, well, either that's not our clientele or why the fuck can't I make that myself? Like, what, what's the marketing strategy for something like that? Well, we haven't actually started doing Well, there are things we're in a couple of places that do um, like wine shops that do kind of wines or cocktails by the glass so they can do it because they then they sell them. Right. So that's obvious, more obvious one. But for the other ones, it's more we just have to be really targeted with it. So again, we'll be just be trying to find places that we feel could have a cocktail offering, but don't have the right people there to do it, or mm-hmm. so their cocktails won't be that good. Mm-hmm. So we just have to like do it face to face. At the yeah. moment, it's still a face to face. It's still like you know you sell it in once, they buy into it, they taste it, and then it's their job, and they just reorder them whenever, and it's quite simple. Mm-hmm. But one of our key things in our shops and on and off trade strategy is making sure that um, we don't create competition within towns. So we've been trying to start locally just again so we can actually physically go there and deliver it. So it's all, you know, been kind of slowly but surely at the moment. We pick towns or areas and then only pick the place that we want to be in in that area. Then phone them up, go around there, get them to taste it. They pretty much always say yes and then the thing is, people always say yes as well, so it's not even that. Really, <laughs> Shit sells wow. itself. <laughs> That's why I don't want to give up on it, because like people like, and also like, I had some friends around the other week who hadn't tried it yet, and I was like, let's try these cocktails then. And they, they were like, oh my God, no, they really are like ones you taste in the bar. And I was like, I, I know, I told you, but people don't, people don't believe it. I know, that's funny. They that, really yeah, it. That's, that's really true, though. It's like getting that point across. And, and I think that, would you agree with this as well, Antox, that like really the hand-to-hand selling of it is what's going to do it in the in the long run? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I talk, talk to people at, obviously at the bar, it's an easier thing to talk about. So, right. by the way, we, you can buy this by the bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, like that? do you like that drink you're drinking, do you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's one. Shall I charge you now, shall I? I'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then, but that's why we want to sort of get, I've I've been nagging some of the shops we're in to sort of allow us to come in and do a tasting and stuff, so. um, Yeah, yeah, the tasting thing seems like a good idea for the future, for sure. I think so, because that just takes it a bit further, and then if you can, like one one event we're going to, it's called, it's a place called Waddesdon Manor, and they've got 300 people coming for a wine tasting and some other kind of food related festivals. So if I'm, we're standing there and they're tasting it, I think, you know, 
those people then spread out further. They might not go to that place regularly, but then they can see the website and then they might buy it and they've tasted it. And it's also the concept. You're not you're not selling something that most people already know of. You know, like, like I said about a gin earlier, if people know gin, they're tasting a gin, they'll, they'll know that someone will like a gin. Whereas a cocktail, it's a concept of try having a bottle cocktail at home and it being actually very good. Mm. People might not believe they probably used they probably think like I don't know, like a you know, like an Alka probably like the Smirnoff Ices or the Cardi Breezes. I am not sure whether you you guys had those and <laughs> Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. people don't really drink that shit here anymore, but yeah, yeah we, they they're, they're, they're still around, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that, that's what, I think that's what yeah. people's perceptions might yeah. still be is those drinks that they drank sort of twenty years ago. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So no, so and I'm selling a concept to them, so that's why they need to taste it some somewhere else as well. So, and I think, um, and like, obviously, if like people like you who are creating like beautiful cocktails in a bottle for someone, that's a great thing for them to be able to just go home, pour over ice, whatever they need to do. It's very easy. The other thing that we're kind of preying on in this situation is people are fucking lazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're not looking to, like, that's, why, where did, how did Smirnoff Ice come to be in the first place, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like so. It's like alcohol, though, that's that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, probably, you can buy Jay and Coke in a can. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So what, so what, like, you are offering and we're trying to offer here as well is, like, an elevated experience. Yeah. in a can but not in an actual can but like the same sort of idea right where yeah. you're you're kind of like we're stepping up the game from a jack and coke in a can and we're saying like here's the experience you can get at a bar and if you're going to the beach or if you're going to or if you're going camping or if you're having a party at your house or my favorite new one is when they're at the bar already and then they for, they want to party afterwards and forgot to stock their house it's like here we go. <laughs> I just got to convince my servers of that. <laughs> yeah, that's the same with me. I was just like, yeah. guys, if they're drinking that drink, tell them it's available by the bottle. Right? Like, like and, now. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, like, not, not later, now. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I was going to um, talk about the two things that get my temperature rising the highest, it's non-vaccinated people and my server's not pushing to-go cocktails. <laughs> it's such an easy sell. It's like they're already drinking it. They already like it. They yeah. don't have it at home. Take one with you. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they're, they're like drinking it and they love this. Oh, I love this. Song. Okay. Hang on, there's something, there's some kind of sales opportunity here. But <laughs> I, can't, I can't connect it quite. I'm not sure quite what it is, but I feel like there's something. <laughs> I know what I'm trying to tell them too, where it's just like, holy fuck, it raises the bill price, that raises your tip. Like, you know, like it all makes sense. But it's just like, they're like, hmm. I don't know. Just don't get it. Just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not work, it? <laughs> uh, have you found, um, I just want to pivot to talk about something else about the bar because this is now that we're just kind of sharing experiences here. That, have, you, have you found that people are coming back to work in the industry? Um, we've been okay um, for, for our staff. We've managed to keep all our staff. Oh, that's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, so it's like a couple of people left because um, they were like move, were moving, so right. didn't really stop them from doing that or commute to it. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Far, on the other side of the country, but um, yeah, it's 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 a lot harder to recruit 
So even when we have been trying to recruit people, there's like no one's even responding. So really, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a huge problem for us. So like going back, this, what reminded me of it is talking about like trying to get our service to do things. Like I'm dealing with people. We we run a high end cocktail lounge, and I'm dealing with people who have never worked in the industry before, yeah. working yeah. for me because so many people have left. So it's like people who should be working at like a chain restaurant to get their experience and move up to the kind of bars that we run. Are now I'm dealing with those people working for me right away. So like I'm teaching them steps of service and shit like that, as opposed to just showing them how to make our cocktails. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. Where have they gone? What they just moved out the city because of they just you know new life post COVID move out the city. Is that why? Yeah, I think a lot of people. Well, a lot of people pivoted when we like because of the uncertainty of our industry during the constant shutdown startup shutdown startup yeah. situation they were like fuck this i need to find a different way to make a, a living mm-hmm. plus our government gives out a lot of uh, uh money to people who have been affected by the lockdown so some of these people are still getting checks from the government every couple of weeks now it's not the same amount of money they'd be making if they were working and making tips but they're also probably just like, you know, hanging out, hanging out, watching Netflix and getting paid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty sweet deal for a short period of time. Yeah, but I, and I do think it'll come back around because eventually there, there's very few jobs where you can have this type of lifestyle, work so few hours and still make that kind of money. Right. So like, I don't know what the tip situation is in England, but it's pretty serious here. And for a while, you guys weren't. Like you were like almost a non-tip culture for a while, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we we um, the last few months since we opened, we've been using a QR code system where people have had the whole menu and tipping's been amazing. But now people are coming back to the bar and ordering at the bar. They're less. Um, <laughs> Less likely to tip because yeah, they don't have the options right in front of them, right? They don't. See yeah, exactly. Tips. So, yeah. and it's weird. Oh, yeah, it's 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 less of a unless someone's got a piece of paper in front of them with suggested tip or service charge yeah. included, but you can take it off. Then that you'll everybody will kind of well, pretty much everybody will leave the tip if it's on a bill and it's printed. But when you're ordering at the bar, people they don't do it. Huh? Bill, so they just pay the pay the amount that it costs so yeah last time i was having food and having doing table service but not everybody wants that so it's uh they were they everybody was pretty much leaving tips and the tips were then really good so the staff were getting quite a lot extra but it's gonna it's interesting to see what will happen now yeah i I, yeah i don't know i'm i'm interested in as well like there was definitely a groundswell of people like over tipping when we ever started opening again and i think the servers really like that but you know it's all gonna level out after a while like it's just like anything else i was fine like and this is what i was uh to pivot back to like the online cocktail sales when we were doing the to-go cocktails during the lockdown when we were locked down they were doing they were doing great but then when we reopened it was like we were talking about earlier where all of a sudden it was like ah they're fine now they're like <laughs> where meanwhile we're all still suffering very badly but <laughs> but it's kind of like i always think about like on instagram if you were like to talk about it on instagram like any cause has like a two-week shelf life maximum right like like I'm pretty sure black lives still matter. Like last time I checked, they all still matter, but the la- but you wouldn't know from Instagram anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just all there was a huge groundswell for it and then it was gone. But they still matter. 
yeah, and it was kind of the same thing with the cocktail situation to go like help restaurants they're suffering so bad and then ah they're open again they're fine but that's the thing about the tipping culture as well that we're going to say that in England in bars you don't really tip anyway people just don't yeah, so that was what it was like when I was there, but that was many, many, many years ago. And so, I, but is is that still the case where it's just sort of a yeah. no tip culture? Huh? Hmm. Yeah, Unless sure. it's a table service bar, but even even in like the really high end bars, a lot of no, a few of them you still order at the bar. No, that's not true. You get your um, order and you put it on a tab, and then you can pay at the end. But it's not generally not. Uh, it's only really in the high-end bars that people tip. Wouldn't you say, Antoine? Yeah, it's all to do with table service. Because we were doing 100% table service, like post-lockdown like when we reopened. And um, that every, I think most people were happy tipping. We were, we were happy to deliver the drinks to their table. But, um, yeah, now, now people can order at the bar. They're ordering at the bar, and they tend to not tip. So that's the difference. If they come to you, they don't want to tip. But if you come to them, they think it's okay? Yeah, yeah. Was, even then, some people were like took the service charge off, and they're like, "I don't want to, don't want to pay the service charge." It was kind of, it's probably about fifty-fifty. But those huh. that were ordering and tipping, it made a big difference. So, hmm. yeah, it's quite a lot different to Canada. <laughs> I remember, I think I met someone who in Ecuador, someone who'd bought a whole retreat building area hotel studio based on the tips she'd made from working in bars in Canada <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did I do wrong <laughs> well I'm pretty surly so that's that's probably why I didn't make that kind of yeah. tip money but <laughs> but uh, yeah that, well I mean it's different here but the other thing is we um, there's scaled um, wages right so like in Canada there's minimum wage and then there's server minimum wage, which is a few dollars less than that because they say you're gonna make it up with the tips, so it's not the same wage. Uh, so that's how they rectify it, but like, honestly, I mean, if, if back in the heyday, like pre everything, like everything's now pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, right? But pre-pandemic, you're like, you know, you're making 50, $60 an hour if you add in your tips as a server in North America. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's why people, that's why we get, get we could get people to do it. <laughs> I'm not tipping anymore after hearing that news. Please <laughs> <laughs> that you won't be welcome in any bars now. Yeah. <laughs> He's already not welcome yeah. at any bar, so what's the fucking that's difference? That's right, blacklisted everywhere in town. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been super fun to talk to you, and I like... I, I, I've learned a lot from talking to you because we're trying to kind of do the same thing at my bar, so I was really excited to talk to you, people from across the pond, to uh, see how it's working there for you guys. And uh, I wish you all the success in the bar it, uh, attached in your personal business and also with this combined business that you guys are doing together. It's so cool, a brother and sister coming together to do an online cocktail bottle shop and get in those shops, do those tastings. Let's uh, push Clayton's cocktails. Well, thank you. Thanks so much yeah, for having us. Yeah, and one last question. If anyone wants to check you guys out online, what's the best way to do that? And I will put all these links in the show notes as well. It's um, www. I don't know why I said that. Clayton's Cocktail. <laughs> 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 
Okay, well, you broke up. You broke up. Tash. You don't know that you've picked up. Yeah. <laughs> just one more time. Tash, you broke cocktails.com. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got it in the box. Yeah. All right. And Thank- Peyton's underscore cocktails on Instagram. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks, guys. It was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we wish you all the success in the world. Your product looks awesome. You too. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys.